For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jesus Stories podcast, episode number four. This podcast tells the stories of Jesus in an informal, informative, and interesting way. I'm George Taylor, your storyteller. These Jesus stories come to you because of your support and your encouragement. A few of you have reached out with encouraging words and even prayer requests. Thank you for your words. Thank you for allowing us to pray for you and your situation. You can do the same by visiting the website jesusstories.info and click on the Talk to Us tab in the menu. If you'd like to support this podcast, I encourage you to start by telling someone, anyone, about these episodes. Our social media links are on the website, jesusstories.info. You can share those links with your friends and contacts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you'd like to support us financially, click on the Support This Podcast tab and find the level of support that fits your budget. You can even become a monthly patron through Patreon and hear Jesus Stories Extras. Again, click on the Support This Podcast tab in the website, then click on Become a Patreon. The website again, JesusStories.info. That's JesusStories.info. We've taken you into the boyhood of Jesus, from the age of a toddler up to 12 years old. From then until the start of Jesus' ministry, at about age 30, the Bible is silent about Jesus' life. We can only surmise about any details of Jesus' life as a teen or a young man. Perhaps he learned his father's carpentry trade. Perhaps he even ran the business as a young man. We know that Joseph is no longer mentioned in the Bible after the birth of Jesus, so it is speculated that he passed away at a young age. So Jesus may have been responsible for supporting his mother and siblings after that passing. Siblings? Yes, we know from the scriptures that Jesus had siblings. The Bible gives us the names of four brothers, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and mentions sisters. So we assume there are at least two of them. That's all we know for sure of Jesus' early life. We do know that at the age of 30, the age of spiritual maturity for a Jewish male, Jesus turned from supporting his physical family to the spiritual support for all mankind. That support began in an unusual way. The way had been prepared for him by a voice of someone calling out from the wilderness. These words from the prophet Isaiah describe the ministry of Jesus' cousin, John, also known as John the Baptizer or John the Baptist. 
Luke specifies the time for us. In fact, he gives us the whole reigning hierarchy. Quote, In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius, the Roman emperor, Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea, Herod Antipas was ruler over Galilee, his brother Philip was ruler over Ituria and Trachonitis, Licinius was ruler over Abilene, Annas and Caiaphas were the high priests. This puts the start of Jesus' ministry at A.D. 29. John was living in the desert, dressing in clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt. He ate locusts and wild honey. He spoke a message from God, which was not a pleasant one to hear. But people came to him anyway, confessing their sins and to be baptized. Listen to his words. You brood of snakes, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we're descendants of Abraham. That means nothing, for I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. These are pretty harsh words. What would you do if you heard such today? Stomp out in disgust? Blast him on Facebook or Twitter? In John's time, the response was a little more convicted. What should we do? the people asked. And John, being the direct speaker that he is, didn't shy away from telling them. Share your clothes and food with the poor. If you were a tax collector who during this time had a reputation for gouging the public, he told you to collect only what the government requires. Soldiers were told to be content with their station and their pay. John went so far as to criticize Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee. Later, he was jailed for this. Besides reminding people of how God wanted them to treat each other, John's message was also of the coming Messiah. In fact, the public was wondering if he was this Messiah. John replies, no, he is not the one. And he continues with these words, the main character in this drama, to whom I am a mere stagehand, will ignite the kingdom life, a fire, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. He's going to clean house, make a clean sweep of your lives. He'll place everything true in its proper place before God. Everything false, he'll put out with the trash to be burned. Then Jesus comes to meet John. Jesus asked John to baptize him, but John objected, No, I need you to baptize me. And Jesus replied, We must do what God requires. So John baptizes Jesus. Let's stop and talk about baptism. What is it? The word comes from a Greek word. In fact, it's a transliteration from the original Greek writing. The Greek word, baptizo, means to dip or sink or submerge. So, in other words, John submerged Jesus into the waters of the Jordan River. When he came up out of the water, the heavens opened. The Spirit of God came down on him like a dove lighting on him. God spoke from heaven, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. 
You might think that Jesus would go about preaching and teaching and maybe even working miracles of all kinds. He has, after all, come of age. He's been baptized and been approved by his father. That would perhaps be the way we might do such a task. After all, we want to get right to work, right? Such is not the case with Jesus. The scriptures tell us that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert for the purpose of being tempted by the devil. Before we go on with the temptation of Jesus, let's stop and talk about this confrontation for a minute. Here is a man, our main character, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of a teenage girl, and who is labeled as the Son of God, going into a direct confrontation with the devil. Who is this devil? The scriptures tell us that the devil, also known as Satan, Lucifer, and more, is an angel who decided that he wanted to be God. For this pride, God threw him and a third of the angels who were following him out of heaven into a place called hell. It is a place created just for these angels. From the very beginning of time, from creation, the devil has been attempting to thwart God's plans for mankind. So this confrontation between the devil and Jesus is really a test. While Jesus is God's son, he is also a man, a human being. Like all human beings, he is subject to the temptations and frustrations of trying to follow God. The question is, will Jesus succeed or fail in this test? So the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, leads Jesus into the desert for a time of testing. That begins with fasting for 40 days and nights. What is fasting? Let me answer that by posing a scenario to you. Suppose you were in a dire circumstance, say a life-and-death situation. One course of action would lead you to death, another course would lead you to life. How do you know which course to take? Maybe you might say you would ask God. So you would accompany that prayer with fasting, refraining from food usually. You might have something to drink, but eating is out of the question while you seek God's answer to your dilemma. That's the situation here. I think Jesus knew that he was about to face Satan. The appropriate response was to be totally focused on the Father. The best way to do that was through a long fast, 40 days and nights in this case. And this is what he does. Satan comes to Jesus with the first test. Obviously, Jesus is hungry. If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread, says Satan. When you're hungry, doesn't the thought and smell of baking bread tempt you? It does me. But eating would break the fast that Jesus is observing. What is Jesus' answer? No, he says. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We'll talk more about Jesus' response in a few moments. Then Satan comes at Jesus with another temptation. He takes Jesus to the highest point of the temple and says, Jump! The scriptures say that God will protect you. In other words, put yourself in a dangerous situation and let God extricate you from it. Satan appeals to vanity. Jesus replies with another scripture. 
The scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. A third time, Satan tempts Jesus. He takes Jesus to the peak of a high mountain, telling him, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Satan appeals to pride and lust for power. Jesus responds with a third scripture. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. These temptations from Satan are all met with scripture, scripture that is deeply embedded in Jesus' heart. I promise you he didn't have his electronic Bible available or a concordance handy to look up what might be an appropriate biblical response to the situation he was offered. He knew what the response would be for two reasons. First of all, as we heard in the first Jesus story, Jesus was and is the Word. His voice is that of God. Being the voice of God, he knows God's Word and how to use it. Secondly, he is operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. He was led to the desert by the Holy Spirit. Matthew and Luke both tell this story of Jesus' temptation to further establish that Jesus is really the Son of God, the Messiah that the world is so eagerly anticipating. John uses the testimony of John the Baptist. John's preaching produced excitement in the religious world. So the temple priests and assistants were sent out by the Jewish leaders to ascertain the status of this man. Who are you, they asked. John speaks right up, telling them, I'm not the Messiah. Well, then who are you, they asked. Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet we are expecting? No, he replies to both questions. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. So if you're not the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet, what right have you to baptize people? I baptize with water, John says, but right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. I'm sure that this answer was a little perplexing to those who held the religious reins in Israel. This man is not the Messiah. He's not Elijah, though he comes in the spirit of Elijah, and they don't recognize him. He's not the prophet they are expecting. John's reply uses the words of Isaiah, words which clearly point to the Messiah. This should have made his identity clear. The next day, John clearly points to the Messiah. Jesus comes walking toward him. John calls out, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Then he says, this is the guy I was talking about yesterday. You know, the one who is greater than me, who existed before me. I saw the Holy Spirit come down on him like a dove. God told me that this man would baptize with the Holy Spirit. So he is the chosen one, the Son of God. In this way, with the results of a temptation and the verification of a prophet, Jesus' identity is cemented by the authors of the Gospels. Jesus proves that he is the Son of God by standing up to the devil. 
Jesus is identified as the Son of God by John, who witnessed the Spirit falling on him at his baptism. That's the time for this episode of The Jesus Stories. This podcast is made possible by you, our listeners. It is your prayers, your financial support, and your encouragement which keep us going, and we appreciate it. Have you helped us out? It's really easy. You just visit our website, jesusstories.info, click on the Support This Podcast menu item, and you'll find out how to do that. Did you know we reach listeners from all over the globe? You can help increase that number by just telling your friends and neighbors and family and maybe even some complete strangers about us. There's a great method for doing that outlined on our website. Go to JesusStories.info, click on the Share This Podcast tab, and you'll find the links for sharing us via social media as well. No, we did not forget that. In two weeks, we begin the story of the early ministry of Jesus. You can catch up with us on our website, JesusStories.info, or on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. We'll see you in two weeks. We believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.